Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So if you think you're not keeping up to, to what AI is doing today, what's where, where that is, it can impact self-driving cars, where it's going to impact all sorts of industries and do a jo- better job. Think about what's going to happen going forward, right? And recognize you cannot get that exponential double in your head. Think about what that means for technology going forward. And it also means that if technology is wanting to deflate prices like this, the only way to keep them stable or going up is to print money at that rate. What's up, guys? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershaz, and I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine is about two things. Number one, people are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world. Doing both of these despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews of world-class speakers and business leaders showcasing their origin story. What made them tick? What got them to where they are now? So it can help you step into your greatness within your own life, business, and career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years in entrepreneurship as a CEO to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation and messages, and I'm stoked to have you guys here. Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mushazde. And boy, do we have a special guest today in Jeff Booth. I'm so, so pumped to have you here, my friend. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. Before we get started, the guys, the format, the format of the show is quite simple. Uh, we are The Greatness Machine, and we're all about bringing, bringing people who are living their passions to create greatness in the world. And Jeff is neither short of nor passion nor greatness. So we have a lot of cool things we're going to be talking about. And I'll get into his bio in just a second. But before we go there, a couple of things about live streaming. We are live. Uh, start a watch party, ask us questions, and I have my team on standby. They're going to be shooting messages over to us as you ask them. Last but not least, um, you know, be inquisitive. Uh, the whole purpose of doing live stream is so that we have experts who are really working on some cool things and giving access to you all so that you can ask those questions. Uh, but like I said, we have a very special guest. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, when we first started really ramping up the, the greatness machine, an old forum mate of mine, Stephen... Jagger was on, and when we were off at the end of the show, we were talking about the state of the world, and he's like, oh, you know, you got to meet my co-founder, Jeff, and he just wrote this book, and because my book's coming out in three weeks, 
And he's like, you got to talk to him. And it was really more about just the fact that you wrote a book. Uh, and then I went and saw what the book was about. And I was like, uh, yeah, it's great that you wrote a book, man. But like, I actually want to talk about the book that you wrote, not about the process of writing the book. So if you don't mind, I, I write a little bit of my own bios. Do you mind if I kind of do, do my thing? Yeah, you go. Yeah. So I always start, it's funny, as entrepreneurs, we, it'll, we'll start off with like our achievements, like I've done this great business, I'm an entrepreneur. And, but I read through yours and I was like, man, the biggest thing you did is you're a proud family man. And I <laughs> thought that was really cool. And that's, so I always start with that. In my, in my forums, I used to do like business high, business low, personal high, personal low, family high, family low. I stopped that. Now I do family high, family low first because I think what we say and what we say matters. So proud family man. Zero entrepreneur, and we're talking like like in, in the highest ways possible, like the businesses you've built are incredible. Founder, strategic advisor, and tech leader. Jeff is also author of the new book, The Price of Tomorrow, Why Deflation is the Key to an Abundant Future. So we're going to be talking about the book because I am super intrigued by, by this. Uh, and I got the pleasure of hearing you on another show talk about this. And I was like, ah, I got I to meet this guy. Like this is, this is really, really, really pertinent and it's really important. And with what's going on in the world right now, the world needs to hear more about this. So thank you for being on the show, Jeff. This is awesome. Yeah, thanks. By, by the way, just as you, what you started with, Proud Family Man, or how we show up in the world, uh, and, and you know this from EO or YPO, you go through a lot of this and self-learning to be able to get deeper and kind of the things that really matter. Funny enough that the book is actually all an all in outreach uh, outcome of that. So where you start, what's, what's important in your life. Uh, really matters. So, anyways, uh, it, it's interesting that you started with that. I totally agree. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate it. It's taken me a long time to learn it. You know, I mean, even my actions right now, like launching the book, like I'm living in my office, like, and, and I'm not proud of that, but I, but I squeeze in the time with the family because I know it's important, and and um, I appreciate you saying that as well. So I, I like connecting on that level. Let's talk about the book, though, and and well, before we go to the book, you know. So many of the audience are going to know who you are because you're you're a very successful entrepreneur. Um, you built an iconic businesses, and and so would you mind giving a little bit of background for those that maybe don't know who you are, what you what, what your background professionally, even personally, if you want to add that, and and just kind of frame the conversation with that, and then we can jump into the book. Many people would know me from starting Build Direct, um, and Build Direct grew to over half a billion dollars uh, in market cap and had a chance to become the Amazon of building supplies. It was, uh, it was doubling every year in sales. We took uh, what we realized in that business um, is it couldn't do it under the old format and I had to break it. So uh, I had to break it and then re uh, uh, come out the other side. That business, uh, once you have shareholders in a business and everything else, that's really hard to do. It's easy to pivot a business at $10 million in sales, $20 million in sales. It's very difficult to pivot a business completely when you have 350 people and, and, and you're doing material, material revenues. So that did not end well. Um, it's still going and everything else, but it doesn't look like the same, the same company. But the learning across that adventure uh, was probably more instrumental than anything else. Myself learning what happened to me, what, because uh, you have to change as a CEO, that whole, you're a startup in your living room. And then you, you take the entire path to a company like that and you learn a lot. The world's moving, you're moving, your team's moving. And so, so it just, the whole adventure was extraordinary. 
Yeah, I loved it. And, and that same thing is just played kind of throughout my life in that business. The only reason I got into that business is I was frustrated. I was a builder before that. Right. And I was frustrated because I couldn't deliver a home on time for the, uh, for the customer because, uh, because the flooring didn't arrive on time. Mm-hmm. And so I had to put the customer up in a, a, a hotel in the furniture and storage. And I was mad. And I said, it shouldn't look like this. And, and said, uh, I'm, I'm going to recreate it different. So it just, I've always been an entrepreneur, seeing patterns. Why does this exist this way? Questioning deeper, deeper questions. Why does this exist this way? And it shouldn't. And then, um, and then trying to fix that problem. That's what an entrepreneur does. Right. So you had the experience. And, and like I said before the show, I said, I went and looked you up after, after, excuse me, after Stephen made the introduction. And um, either he said the name of your company or he, or I looked, when I looked at you up, I saw the name and I'm like, that sounds so familiar to me. Uh, you know, I'm not in the, I'm in mortgage. I was in mortgage servicing and mortgage origination, which is, you know, that's, it's like a cousin of the builder business and the fact that we're doing the financing side of it, but, but th- there would be no real, you know, I was never really doing a lot of business direct with any type of your, with your, your company. But when I said that name sounds so familiar and I realized it's like, wow, there's a whole case study on you guys in a book that I've read 10 times, uh, Vern Harnish's um, Mastering Rockefeller Habits, I believe in scaling up. And so I saw that and I was like, Oh, like that name sounds so familiar. I'm like, now I know why I've read, I've read the name. You know, you're, that's a really important book. Um, I was a scaling up company. I know you were a scaling up company. And um, my book is actually born. My book, The Core Value Equation, is born out of scaling up. I don't know if, so that's that's where this whole, this is me taking, kind of having frustration around the, this thing as an entrepreneur around how do you take this asset of core values and, and make it come to life. So you did this great thing in business. You you have the the heart and mind of an entrepreneur. And now you're in this new mountain, you know, and you're climbing the new mountain and this book, where was this book born out of in that? Because obviously the building business is very different than having a really big and thoughtful hypothesis around something that goes counter to probably every central bank in the world's ideology on what needs to happen. And most people's ideology. Right. right. So, so at first, and again, an entrepreneur mindset is kind of looking at what's broken. Um, and say and going trying to get to first principles on and and then constructing a way forward right that's that's really what an entrepreneur does and i wasn't as much a building entrepreneur as i was an entrepreneur a technology entrepreneur and so if you if you understand what's happening in technology and and today i think i i'm co-founder of six different companies uh, uh and and chairman of many different companies so boards of lots of different companies boards of lots of different companies and and at the front seat of technology so build direct to the front seat of technology i'm in all of the conversations with google amazon all of the early on to see what they became right and all the the so why did they uh, look why do they look like that what happened and everything else so um, I still read 50 books a year. I'm constantly inquisitive, curious about what's happening in the world. And what I saw, um, including all my companies, is technology is a crazy powerful force. Um, and it's moving faster and faster and faster. Right. But the technology, what is the point of technology? Right. There is not one technology founder that says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to create more jobs globally with technology. You use technology 
to increase efficiency. Right. Yeah. And so that means technology is deflationary, right? It makes things cost less because you lose, you remove the labor component. So I'm sitting on top of all these companies watching this happen, super excited for the companies and the value that I'm bringing to the world, right? In the, in the, in the companies that I'm involved in. And I, I want to clarify something. There is not one technology founder that I coach, help, uh, board member of that doesn't really care about making the world a better place, right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't join those companies if they didn't. They actually care about making the world a better place and they're using technology to make things better for people. Right. But if you, if you say what's happening in technology, that means all of those people, prices are wanting to come down radically right. because right. technology technology is deflationary that's a fact and it's moving into every single industry and so what that means is prices should be coming down everywhere right right and, and not only is technology deflationary it's exponentially deflationary right so it doubles and it doubles and it doubles again so and i'm going to get into that in a second but uh but but that technology is deflationary. It's moving into every industry. It means prices of everything should be coming down lower and lower and lower. Okay. And that's it. Personally, you would say, wow, that's not a bad thing, right? Because if prices right. fell, your, uh, your iPhone today gives you tons of free stuff, cameras, everything else, uh, search, everything else. It's a personal assistant and the price keeps falling and the price keeps falling. Right. So all of that stuff becomes free. But it's up against a world that we constructed or central banks constructed that is an inflationary policy. And that inflationary policy is trying to drive prices up at the same time they're coming down. But what that is doing is it's concentrating wealth into the asset owners and the technology monopolies at a faster rate because there's no money printing in the world that is going to stop technology deflate technological deflation in the end so all of this second things we talk about third things we talk about the division in society is actually because of this problem and so okay. when you hear trump when you hear Biden, when you hear all of these things they're sitting on top of a broken system that will not work anymore and on one side so you either have socialism for the rich which essentially all of this money printing that's happening and what that money printing is designed to do is stop prices from falling because if prices fell, banks would collapse, we would go into a depression and everything else. So now there's so much debt in the world, so much printing in the world that it just keeps on doubling and doubling. And it's doubling at the same rate as the technology is trying to drive things bright, uh, lower, lower and lower in price. And I wrote the book because I looked at my children um, and the next generation coming, uh, coming up and saying, they won't live in the same world as far as opportunities and everything else. The world will look very divided, will look very different in, in, in their lifetimes because of what we're talking about. And nobody was putting their finger on it. Nobody was connecting the dots. You had these, uh, these silos. So, so I didn't want to write a book. I didn't need to write a book. <laughs> um, I wrote the book because of, uh, because of that, because uh, ultimately um, your impact in the world matters. 
Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius Mishazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. And let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stop me from fully enjoying the little things in life, from canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear uses directed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and Supply & Demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So if you have, and I could agree with you more, but my, my question for you, and this is where I, you know, I think intuitive, I've always been like a very good numbers person, but just numbers are intuitive for me. And so I, I've kind of gotten, I think I, when I heard you make the statement you made in another talk you did, it, I was like, oh, bingo, that's it. Like, this is, 
this is what I've been feeling, right? My, my, my gut, I was, I call it my jelly bean jar. My gut can guess the number of jelly beans in a jelly bean jar, like really easily. So I'm like, oh, my gut's talking to me. That's what the, that's what I'm seeing. This doesn't make sense. Why do we keep having as, I mean, I get that we have cheaper money and people are fighting for a yield. And so they're buying more assets and they're paying up. And then they're, you know, the cheaper money gets a better yield. And, you know, this is all about returns on investment to pay pension funds and blah, 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 and all that stuff. But at the same time, to your point, and we can talk about it in a second, where we go into Moore's law, this doubling the speed of technology. And, and, I, heard, and I, I love the analogy or the, maybe the, it's a fact, not even an analogy around what this looks like from a distance to the perspective, but. You want me to go into that? Yeah, go into that. Cause I have a really big question that I have been eating at me since I saw your talk. So okay. do you so, mind talking about what, why, so the, about what's going to happen? Yeah. yeah. So, so all of the things right now that are happening are predicted in my book, right? The next steps are all predicted as well. Um, my own portfolio has done extraordinary in, into this because uh, because of what I wrote about in, um, in, in the book. I don't say that as, as I'm proud of it. I, I don't want what's happening to happen. But I can also realize it's going to no matter what I do. So we should talk about potential solutions afterwards. But let's first talk about what I just said. So Moore's Law is an exponential pattern. Um, and I've talked about this on stage, tens of thousands of people all over the world. Um, and I use a piece of paper to demonstrate. And I fold a piece of paper once, I fold a piece of paper twice, I fold a piece of paper on itself three times, and I keep going. I fold about five times. And at that time, the piece of paper is about this, this thick. Then I ask the audience to, to what, how thick would the piece of paper be at 50 folds? And over 90% of the people guess that. And very few times you get to the roof. And, and even fewer times you get to the moon. Well, that piece of paper would reach to the sun. And it blows people's minds. And I know a whole bunch of people on your live stream are currently going to Google to check that fact. It's true. I mean, it'll go to, uh, it'll go to the sun. But what it says, and, and if everybody got the answer, or 50% of people who got the answer, it would say, oh, we understand exponential patterns. No problem. Right? So we were likely to see what an exponential pattern and, and make the right choices. But because nobody gets that, unless you've heard it before, what it says is we're very bad at exponential patterns. We're terrible at it. Humanity is terrible at it. Not me, not you. Everybody that's listening now, they will say, oh, now I know the parlor trick. I'm smart at it. But they'll miss the next one. We're all bad at it. And that fact is Moore's Law is an exponential pattern. We've had 33 doubles. So we're in the, we're in, and just like technology doesn't make a difference in the early folds, in the later folds, you take the steep steps, you take the big steps. So 33 folds is the equivalent of Boston to Detroit, right? 34 doubles the last 50 years of progress. 35 coming 36 months later, two, four years later. Is going to uh, is going to double that that again. So, if you think you're not keeping up to to what AI is doing today, what's where where that is, it can impact self driving cars, where it's going to impact all sorts of industries and do a jo better job. Think about what's going to happen going forward, right? And recognize you cannot get that exponential double in your head. Think about what that means for technology going forward, and. It also means that if 
technologies wanting to deflate prices like this, the only way to keep them stable or going up is to print money at that rate. So now let's look at the facts against that equation, right? That equation. In the last 20 years, there has been a, an additional $185 trillion of, of debt being created to drive $46 trillion of economic return globally. 185. So, so today we know before COVID, we had 250 trillion of debt, 185 trillion of it added over the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. To uh, 250 trillion of debt to uh, to drive an 80 trillion dollar global economy. Now the global economy is far smaller, and the global debt is way bigger than uh, than than that. But it's all predicted because if you have technology doing this to keep things, you're going to have to exponentially increase the debt. And because you cannot, and and now go to the next step. If the debt is uh, if the debt itself, if you just put debt on, you know this from a mortgage, bank, all you're doing is pulling demand forward. Right? right. So if the debt needs to be repaid, then the debt itself is disinflationary because you're pulling future demand and that future demand has to be paid back in the future. So, tax, right. so taxes must go up, which slows down business growth. And, 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 and drives more, more, more disinflation or deflation against what we've already talked about. So with that much debt in the world, will that debt ever be repaid? I mean, my feelings are is like there's, you have to have a massive, like basically default. So the, the debts, that's exactly, but, but a default means a, a default means a global depression. And all the all the debt holders get wiped out, but the debt holders are the banks and the governments. And so, think that looks like the '30s on steroids. So, what the central bankers are trying to do, in a they caught themselves in that, this by printing against a structural change, and they're trying to get out of it by printing more and printing more, and that and, and trying to get out of it is not going. It's not going to work. In fact, effectively, at some point. They're going to change the rules with MMT or something else. They're going to change the rules. Currencies are going to break. You're going to go into hyperinflation, right? And deflation on the other side. So, but all of those paths from where we are right now, and I, I, I don't like that. Those are factual. Doesn't make me celebrate them. Right? No, 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 no. They're they're scary, right? Like scary. Like, uh, like it's uh, a lot of anxiety around those when you see this talk. A lot of pain is coming to society. And not just one society. Not you're in the U.S. I'm in Canada. Not just one society. Every every country in the world is in a similar position, all manipulating their currencies to try to gain a trade advantage. So so you, you 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 this the the future is unprecedented. So I guess there's a couple things. How do you protect? I mean, against that because I I look at that and I go, this is a runaway train. The only, like the only way I could see. If you want to fix it, you'd have to tax. You'd have to tax your way out of it temporarily. Which, to your point, no one's going to be the popular guy that says, "Hey, we got to raise our taxes on everyone that's making over X by eighty percent." I mean, they did that in the Great Depression, I think, um, or it was FDR did that, where they raised taxes like crazy against people that made a lot of money, right? So I looked at this. I pulled the American balance sheet up in, uh, a few years ago because I think I had some of these concerns. And I said, "Well, theoretically, you could just like every really wealthy." Big business because they're living. These Western businesses are living on the infrastructure of Western countries. 
right? Theoretically, I could say it's 90% tax above X dollars. We're just going to like start paying down our debt, right? I don't think they will do that because to your point, it'll be very unpopular. So, so let's go into that first. And so, so first, what is inflation? What is deflation? Inflation is only when the when um, goods and services go up relative to your money, right? That's all, all, all it is. So when when governments say they want an inflationary target, if if if, if instead they said we're trying to make your currency worthless. Would it change your view on inflate wanting inflation? Right. Yeah, of course. So, so inflation, and then a derivative of that equation means some people win, some people lose. If you have, if you borrow today uh, to pay back tomorrow, when the dollars are worth less, and you borrow to buy a house, you win. Right. So the derivative of that, that equation uh, of that is some people win, some people lose. On the other side of the coin deflation price of goods and services costs less in relation to your money right a derivative of that uh, is some people win some people lose if you're a saver if you save money it's worth more you buy you buy more and and over time so so now to compare those two things you have a whole bunch of people you're telling the, the government is telling people to save for a down payment right save cash for a down payment for a house Mm-hmm. At the same time, they're destroying the value of that cash, right? Right. <laughs> Making it harder for those people to ever get in. Right. Now we have 2008 or now, and the government comes in and says, or, or just a policy all over the world. You have essentially negative interest rates or negative real interest rates everywhere. Right. And so what does that do to corporations? What does that do to the entire world? What is, let's use let's use some of the airlines as examples, right? Would they save cash in that environment? The government has said, we're going to make your cash worthless, right? Yeah. If, you, if you save cash, we're going to penalize you, right? It, because another airline that buys back their stock, using that cash to buy the, back their stock, wins because of the rules you set up. Right. So now, right? So, so now um, in a competitive environment, You've created the same thing you don't want to happen. You have a whole bunch of um, stress in the system or a whole bunch of weakness in the system, ever more weakness in the system. And then one blip and the airline said, I need cash because otherwise I have to lay off all my employees. Right. And so what you do because of the same thing you created in the first place is you, you give them government money right? Um, and you enrich the same people who created the problem. Right. Against everybody else that's uh, 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 happening. So it, no wonder in this sort of environment, it's no wonder you have the, these camps where, where politics is dividing further and further and further. You, you have a rise in socialism. Right. Against, uh, uh, because there's a whole bunch of people that are being, it's, it, the entire system doesn't work anymore. Right. So you have this situation where, to your point, it's socialism for the rich, where... And I, and I said this example with what just happened with COVID. I said, they're kind of putting a rock in a hard place. If they say, nope, that's free market enterprise. You should have planned it for the pandemic. Too fucking bad, right? Like, and you just let a bunch of, you know, well, if they do that, everyone goes out of business and you have probably a depression, right? If they don't do that, we have the problem we are talking about. And so you're kind of damned if you do and you're damned if you don't because you haven't incentivized, to your point, savers. 
and you're you're only letting it be free market enterprise on the upside. Totally. And so so you have socialism for the rich. And then no wonder that a response would be socialism for the poor. By the way, both of those systems, both that we're talking about, crony capitalism on one side um, and socialism on this other side, will not work. No. Both, right? Been tested across history. Both won't work. They'll both they'll, they'll both break. We'll go through revolution and war to, to see that. But both of those won't, uh, won't work. Whether you can manipulate an entire populace by getting them to believe they work. Um, and, and, and so both won't work. So when you say we're at our 34th uh, or 33rd, we're the 33rd inning out of 50 innings. And every 18 months, another inning comes and goes, right? Is that yeah, and remember, it's, it doesn't go to 50. It goes to 51, 52, 50. Oh, my, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but, but just the big steps, the world is going to look so different by the time it gets to, to 40. It's going to look so crazy different that people can't even comprehend what this looks like. Are you guys enjoying the show so far? Darius here. And by now, you might know that I'm passionate about a few things. Pizza, pink unicorns, core values, and down dirty, interesting conversation with some amazing people. However, the biggest one that I've spent most of my career on is entrepreneurship and scale. You see, look, my first few years in business, I spent like probably a good five years of my life getting my freaking teeth kicked. I mean, really getting crushed. And I learned a lot during that time period. So I spent the greater part of the last couple of years helping entrepreneurs scale their businesses in a meaningful way without going through the same growing pains that I did. And what I realized is that CEOs and business leaders don't know if they can scale and thus they do the right thing at the wrong times. This causes them to lose clarity, lose momentum, alignment, and the bottom line is you lose money. And look, you don't have to do that. It's why I created what I call the scalability assessment and you can access it 100% for free. That's right, guys. There are perks to listening to The Greatness Machine. All you have to do is go to DariusScale.com. That's D-A-R-I-U-S Scale, S-C-A-L-E.com. And there, you can check to see if your business is set up to scale properly. It's going to give you a scalability score at the end, and it's also going to give you some clarity on what you can do next. Once again, guys, that's www.itsdariusscale.com. Once again, guys, it's DariusScale.com. And now back to the show. So I come from the business of government lending, right? This is, I, I did, uh, I was the 11th largest government lender in the United States for, for uh, residential housing. And what I found was that, and this, and this might just be one example, but this is, I think, I think this is something where the government may try to go this direction, at least in the States, is there is, you can regulate to slow it down, right? So, so like we have, and the mortgage industry is a good example, right? Like mortgage industry, there's so much red tape and regulation that technologists can't invade that market because they just stop it. They just say, well, no, we won't, we won't adopt those technologies. And so you have literally people doing stuff like you could get a loan much easier in the United States than you do today for a house, but there's tons of regulation that stops it. Yeah, so. but, but, but if you just say, just carry that forward, again, you have to get down to the root of the problem. The right. root of the problem isn't regulation. The root of the problem isn't all this. Yes, you could manipulate markets for a short time in, in that, but sure. they will find a different way <laughs> to, right. there is no regulation, there is no edge case, thin thing, taxes or otherwise that can solve this problem right now. Right. It's too, so, big. It's too big a problem. Right. And I, I used to be a trader 
and there used to be this saying and probably still saying is don't you don't want to stand in front of a moving train right and so in the markets when the market's the moving train like there's nothing you're going to stop it so to your point this is a moving train and we don't want to stand in front of it and people will you know they are trying to do that by currency printing and by increasing the debt loads or we just went in the states here from what 20 trillion to 30 trillion in, in debt so that's where we'll probably end up right and, and, you'll, and you'll by you'll be way higher than that because mathematically what i'm talking about you have to be way higher than that right um, and, and and so you will be this year or shortly after that but then it'll go mathematically it'll go higher otherwise the economy is going to collapse but when the economy collapses and debt to gdp and now your gdp is less all the debt goes offside right that's the problem. you cannot solve a debt problem with more debt Right. And so that's, that's where I'm, uh, by the way, that's why I'm stuck right now. Cause I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, we had 22 trillion in GDP and now it just dropped, just called 17 this year. Our GDP dropped by 25%, 20%. It's a COVID issue, but we had to print 10 trillion in debt to, to stabilize everything. So now we're at 17 to call it 30. So just for easy math, we're at two times debt to GDP. Just government. Just add, government. Add corporate, add personal. You'd see what, what, how crazy the numbers are. Right. So, so this is a problem. And this is where like Darius gets on the phone with his financial advisor who wants him to invest in the markets and all this stuff. And I'm like, I can't, I, I mean, I'm, I'm in all cash, dude. I went into all cash. Tomorrow. Okay. So, so, so now take this all, all cash thing. So you, you want moving train. Governments are forced to destroy their currencies. Right. right. So if you're in all cash, how, how did it look like if you're all in the all cash in 2008 when they did the same thing? the value of your cash got destroyed. What can that cash buy today versus, versus before? Because the Fed is the moving train, right? But, and eventually you're going to have hyperinflation. Right. If you, if you have hyperinflation and you're in all cash, you're going to get destroyed. Right. No, no, I, I sense that. But what's the, what's the solution? So those two forces, bigger than anybody else, are, are right now battling. And it's going to be messy on the way through. It's going to be super messy on the way through. So what I would say is in any one of the realize the bet isn't because of you. The bet is when people lose faith in currencies and they right. destroy it. So now you don't want to be in one asset class or how do, how do you create? Well, you concentrate, right? And get lucky. Right. What an, that's, that's what an entrepreneur does. It's not 50-50, but as an entrepreneur concentrates all their time into one thing, right? And if they win, they get wealthy. Right. What do they do after they win? They diversify. Right, right. How do you protect wealth? You diversify. So, so if you want to create wealth in this cycle, I don't want to advise what to, to do. Yeah, I'm just curious what your, what your mindset is on this. Anyone that's listening. If you want to create, you, if you want to create wealth, put, uh, put a whole bunch of money into Bitcoin. Uh, potentially all of it <laughs> um, and get lucky and right. Right. So I, I think that some should be there, but, but if you want to create wealth, go all in. Right. If, if you want to protect wealth, put 5% in, put, put, uh, put, uh, put something in and then put some into real estate, put it some into have some in cash in case, in case the, they slow down printing. And it, it, if they slow down printing, short everything in the market the market's going to fall the market is going to fall by 80 percent if, if they if if governments choose to not protect this right it's going to collapse everywhere 
I don't see, yeah, I don't see that, right? Like, like no, no one's going to have the political will to say like, yo, man, we got to fix this long-term problem now, guys. Let's just like to destroy our economies and, and I'm going to be the politician to fix it. Like no one's going to do that. They're going to keep. Yeah. So exactly. So what is inflation? All it is, is a hidden tax, right? It, all it is, it's a hidden tax, but it's a hidden tax on the people most unable to pay for it. But, um, but governments can't pay, uh, can't support the services that population demands, right? By taxing what they should tax. So they create inflation to make their dollars worth less. And so some people win by that construct. Some mm -hmm. people lose, but government services become way more of the overall market, right? And then what it, uh, the irony of the whole thing is more and more people say we need more government spending, right? And we already know from communism and everything else, central planned societies don't work, right? Right. <laughs> so, and you just create that path. I'll, I'll give you another example. We're on Zoom right now. So are many other companies. That probably means that about 50% of the bodies in commercial real estate don't need to be in commercial real estate. Right. right? You see it all over the cities. You can work from home. You can make just be as almost as productive. And that means if 50% of the bodies don't need to be there, that means commercial real estate must fall by 50%. Fair? Yeah, that's sure. About fair, right? Just right. As, yeah, let's use something, something like that. Why hasn't it? Because of all the stimulation, right? And and all the stimulus, all that, uh, all that free money propping up asset prices and then there are a whole bunch of people that need to pay, entrepreneurs included, that need to pay for our un, asset prices that are artificially high because government created them artificially high in the first place. Right. Used your money, tax money, to be able to do that. And then you have a bunch of entrepreneurs that can't compete to be able to get into starting new because prices are too high. Use example in real estate, right? Because real estate can't fall in price because we can't let it fall in price. So we start to stimulate it. Rents mm -hmm. go up, real estate prices go up. And there's a whole bunch of people that can't afford that, that need bail. So you bailed out one side of the sector. And then there's a whole bunch of people that can't afford that real estate that you created a, a high in the first place. And you go and give them food stamps, money, everything else to be able to create. Where does that money come from? Right. So, so, and, and you talked about this in another talk, we haven't gone there yet, which is this deflationary, like when you look at the incentives around and venture capital, right? If I go to get venture capital, I go, oh, I got this business. We're going to add tons of employees and bodies and heads. They're like, I don't want to invest in that. <laughs> they're like, uh, yeah, no thanks, Darius. I'm like, I got this business that requires minimal humans. The productivity per human capital is exponentially higher than it is today, which is basically a fancy way of saying less jobs. Deflation. Yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. Right? And they're like, and you, so to your point, you have venture capital doubling, tripling, quadrupling, quintupling down on deflationary behavior. And all of this wealth is being created. And every single company, like if you look at the Dow Jones and or the S&P, what's 40% or I think it's 40% of the companies are losing money. The 60, and it's up. Why? Because the 60% that are, are up for the year are all these tech companies, right? Look at it even, even short. Look at the top, top five, 10 tech companies. It is the entire waiting. Everything else is down. Right. And, and those are up so much, but that makes sense, right? Because what they're using is technology and network effects to move faster and faster. And as they hit, hit all of the other companies, 
that are competing have to jump on, right? So the concentration of wealth, because of the policies designed to try to protect the system, they're actually fueling the thing they don't want the work. They 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 don't want. They're creating it to happen faster. If you let deflation happen, let's I'm I'm going to bypass a whole bunch of it's going to be ugly either way, right? But it's going to be ugly either way. But if you let deflation happen, the broad benefits of technology would be distributed to everyone and prices would keep falling, right? Economics is not about value. It's about scarcity. The air you're breathing right now is free. Why? Because it's abundant, right? You can't charge for abundant things. Right. Why, why is most of the information you you see on online free? Why, why is like abundant technology creates abundance? Abundance moves to free, right? In other words, prices fall. Prices fall and they keep falling. And in, while they're still high, entrepreneurs will race in to try to capture more of the incentive of those falling prices. And while there's still a window, how many calculator apps or phone apps or anything else are competed for by entrepreneurs trying to do that? And when they go to free, no more entrepreneurs in that. <laughs> and they go into the next thing. Right. That, that race to drive prices down down lower and lower is actually a good thing for humanity. It, what it means is the technology could actually do way more of our work and our most valuable thing, our time, right, would be more valuable. Instead, because of the system, way the system has been our, uh, um, set up, we try to work our entire lives, more and more hours, to try to save enough for the last 10 or 15 years of our life so we can do the things we want to do. Right. right, and escape those prices rising all the time. Right, to have enough to live the last part of our life when it doesn't need to look like that. If you, it's it's crazy to think, right, because it changes. It's upside down with the way we grew up. It's upside down with everything we've been taught in economics. It's upside down with everything, but it does not make it not true. It is true. <laughs> so. This is obviously like there's probably people who are like, I don't want to listen to this. This is scaring the shit out of me, right? Like, like, and so I think like, I guess there's two questions I have. Is number one is, what is a solution? Because what I just heard was hyperinflation, which means asset prices are going to go up. People are going to chase that, and then at some point, people are going to lose trust in their governments and their currencies and their debt. And there's going to be some like at some point you can't keep printing your way. You can't print your way out of this, right? So whenever when's the you, you, you can you you can eventually Zimbabwe Venezuela Turkey like that's right. that's what it, that's what it looks like right 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 billion dollar bills right yeah. so. that's what it looks like and people believe it can't happen here um, it will happen here it'll happen everywhere it'll be a domino across different countries going through the same the same thing right uh, so that's a Armageddon is what we're describing so how do you a protect yourself, uh, yourself and your families from that. And then secondly, like it, can you, and, and financially, how can people do that, protect themselves? I think you might've touched on that a little bit, but what, what are the solutions? So again, unfortunately there's no, when I wrote the book, my hope was governments wouldn't keep doing this, that you would have a reset, that you would take the pain. I, I say a lot often, there is no light without dark. There is, not, there is no growth without contraction, 
right? You have to have, that's how an economy works. People bid things up, it gets, it gets irrational, and then it has to clear, right? And, and if you time that right on the clearing, you make a whole bunch of money and, you, and, and spring comes and you grow again, right? Preventing the clearing, which is, is happening, only makes the inevitable uh, uh, reset way worse. That's what, where we are right now. So that reset is coming one way or the other. How do you pers- uh, so, so then it becomes, how do you personally protect yourself? I, I said Bitcoin is one way. That's why gold is at an all-time high as well, because people are making bets on what can't And that's actually why real estate's running away too, right? Because people are making bets on what can't be destroyed in their cash. Right. So, so yeah, I, there's a, I can't remember the, the book, The Fourth Turning, right? Which is kind of talks a little bit about this. So I had a, a friend that, uh, someone that came and talked to, to a, a birthing a giants group that I'm in, Gathering Titans, and they were saying, yeah, hard assets. That's how you protect against some of this stuff. But I guess if it's deflationary, does that really make sense then? Well, so, so deflationary is, so if you realize that central banks can control inflation if they want to. Or, right, or if governments can, they can do helicopter money and they can create deflation out of the, or inflation out of thin air, right? So it's again, the cost to society is tough. And what ends up happening when you do that? Let's just look at historical uh, perspective. Let's look at the Weimar Republic, who chose that, right? The rise of Hitler was a direct consequence of that. Because what that does is it concentrates wealth in very few people's hands, the asset owners, and then politicians uh, get elected to say, they're the problem. Those asset owners, they took your money. Right. And that's how revolutions uh, uh, start. So who were the asset owners in the Weimar Republic? I'm going to assume the Jews. Yeah. Right, and and so so what does that look like? And they were the business owners and everything else were the uh, uh, and so what it looks like is a different redistribution of wealth, um, and people buy it every time, right? And I bet you there's people listening to this this uh, podcast right now that are on one side or the other, Democrat or or Republican, and so entrenched in that point of view that they can't see the forest for the trees. That it's neither side. <laughs> Those are perfectly predictable uh, consequences of what we're talking about. People aren't deep enough to look at what's uh, what's happening. Both won't work, right? Yeah, it's- the MMT socialism won't work. Neither will capitalism as it currently is designed, because because capitalism as it's currently designed looks nothing like capitalism. It looks like cronyism. Um, we have a question that came from the audience. What are your thoughts behind the idea of more people joining the off-the-grid movement as a solution to help bring balance? So, so the off-the-grid movement is actually a function of what we're talking about in technology too, right? You never used to be able to do it, right? Or, or is it now, now with solar moving and price down and everything else, there's a whole bunch of things and the technology under under growing conditions and, and, and farming and everything else the off-grid movement is becoming easier and easier to do because of where technology is uh, is today and that's what's happening that's what's happening in bitcoin too so you have a whole bunch of people that realize that the current monetary system of the world is on its last legs and they're choosing a new system mm-hmm. okay. it, let's just 
I don't look at it as good and bad people. I think that's too easy. And I look at it as the, uh, this through a business lens. Why didn't Kodak create, uh, uh, they, they, they created the digital camera. Right. Why did they benefit from it? Right? Why, did, why did they parking lot it over and over? And it's because the existing frame of mind um, won't allow the innovation. Right. And, and and so that innovation is found by entrepreneurs or a new market. It's very rarely the existing company that does what they need to do to see the new or look at Blockbuster versus Netflix, right? Blockbuster adds candy aisles to their stores. Think right. that's going to protect them against digital download speeds increasing and increasing. And, that, and, and, um, and their entire business model is at risk in a nanosecond <laughs> and they right. can't. And it's too late once uh, once download speeds go to a certain thing, but they didn't see it. And it's not bad executives. It's not bad everything else. It's just you're so caught in an existing system, you're trying to protect the existing system at all costs. So if I look at all sides, Republican, Democrats, all the people that are in this existing system, and subsequently all of us, because we are too, right? That's what the existing system looks like. And Bitcoin is a sep- is a separate system that cannot uh, that that doesn't work. So that's actually why one of the reasons why it's designed in a way on a network effect that over time I I have a high degree of confidence it's going to be either reserve a reserve currency that other currencies are forced to to adopt. Yeah, I, I, that, I had a friend that was talking about how you'll see a digital, like they were talking about a digital currency come like that will be controlled by government, right? But let's go into that. Why do they want to control? I wrote about this in the book too. So there's an IMF working paper uh, that had a lot of traction that, that said we have to have interest at the next crisis. Interest rates need to go to minus 6%. You're, so imagine putting your money in the bank and getting minus 6% interest rate. Wow. Hard to fathom. But again, with what we're talking about, it has to go there. But the problem is, without digital currencies, you would take the money out of the bank and you put it under your mattress. Why right. interest rates can't go too far negative is because they become bank runs and everybody takes their currency back. And, and what is a currency? It's just a trust and exchange rate. It's a trust, right? You right. and I do trade. We need to trust that the underlying unit <laughs> is the same. So if every government is manipulating the underlying unit, what happens is we trust something else. Right. We're not, I suspect we're not, I, I understand why governments are racing to do digital currencies so they can control more people on the digital currency, but that, that won't, uh, that won't solve this. Yeah. So the thought process is it needs to be an unbiased third party currency, essentially. Exactly. Interesting. Uh, what's for lunch? <laughs> <laughs> You want to go uh, back into karaoke? <laughs> yeah, I felt way better when I was singing karaoke than I do right now. Um, man, this is scary stuff. So uh, obviously, there's no. It doesn't sound like there's a lot of light at the end of the tunnel. But, but like any, any, any. <laughs> any well, so, so that's actually why I said. That, so the title of the book, "The Price of Tomorrow: Why Deflation Is the Key to an Abundant Future." Yeah. Have people look deeper. Read the book. It's not a bad thing. Right, it's actually the best thing for humanity. The best thing for humanity because we could actually get way more of our time if prices were uh, if prices came down for free uh, free everywhere or close to free everywhere, we wouldn't need the same amount of work to protect it. 
And those jobs are coming away anyways. The only thing that we're, is when I said we're all caught in that system, our minds have been wired to this is the way it works. And that's really hard to accept what I'm saying, right? But if you go through the book and if you go through and try to debate anything, try to pull out where it's wrong, right? <laughs> I've gone to research lengths and to, uh, to make it readable, really easy to read, to say this is, uh, uh, this is happening. And it's a good thing. It's a really good thing for humanity. It's a fantastic thing for humanity. Stopping that from happening is the worst thing for humanity. Interesting. What when I mean, I have to assume academics are debating like debating or pushing back on you on this, or you know, is any are you getting any pushback when and if you are, like what type of pushback? that is super interesting. So you can you imagine how well this is followed. It's been a been a bestseller and everything else. And yeah, you'll get the occasional um mad tweet or or, or comment on uh, on Amazon and everything else. But for the people that are actually opening their mind to this and um what nobody has given not one person has has given a reason why this isn't true not one right the um i'm looking for it i'm looking to have that debate um the uh it, in fact there's uh, there's somebody on, on twitter that re recently said about of some of these things are posted on my on my feed thousands five thousand times and retweeted it around one person that was after reading the book was originally kind of more hesitant, right? It would, it would come, he, he posted something recently that said, I, I haven't seen one argument against Jeff, what Jeff is uh, hypothesizing here. Not one that holds any wa water in what Jeff is hypothesizing there, um, here. And so, so yeah, you're gonna get, if something as radical as what I'm talking about, you're going to get people throwing stones. But, I, but if you actually go, if you go down this rabbit hole, be it's it's really hard to unsee yeah my brain's in the rabbit hole right now you're like blowing <laughs> my brain up <laughs> <laughs> like in like, like i'm like i'm like oh, i gotta get your book i gotta read i gotta read this um wow so uh jeff what a, what a what a great talk this has been so informative and i'm so grateful to be able to spend time with you to learn about this and be to get this message out there and it, i guess the hopes are that that right people and the right governments are listening to this and making the move but if it's systemic and it's crossing all these boundaries is it something that would need to happen across like, like yeah. everyone has it's global yeah. and, and, and so that's why it's unlikely that it'll happen at the low, at that level what will happen is is there's a bunch of new just like a business gets destroyed because it can't see what's coming right right yeah it, it's it's more likely that the next leaders of governments um uh, take it more seriously. The younger people to uh, look into this and 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 start to ad advance this. It's very unlikely that the existing powers that be have any. There's just no. There's no incentive to do it. Right. Um, and it's uh, um, and it's really hard politically to do. So it's 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 on it's it's more uh, it's more likely um, younger generation. Well. Um... Thank you so much for the time today. Um, this is so informative. Uh, the book, where where can they find the book? Is it Amazon? Amazon Amazon's probably best. Yeah. Yeah. So the price of tomorrow, why deflation is the key to an abundant future. You guys can get on Amazon's best-selling author, Jeff Booth here, sharing the book with us. What a treat. Um, 
really appreciate this so much and, and thank you for spending the time with us. No problem at all. It's been great. You are listening to The Greatness Machine and that's a wrap for today. Guys, The Greatness Machine is all about two things. People who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world. And we feature these messages and speakers so it can help you step into your greatness within your own life and your own business. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you're tuning in from and leave us a review. We love getting reviews for the show. If the episode made you think of someone who is leveling up in their business and life, print screen it, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to learn from one another. You can also go to our website, www.thegreatnessmachine.com. That's www.thegreatnessmachine.com. And on there, you'll see special tools to help you scale your business faster, show notes for the episode to help you integrate the lessons, and you will also get links that came out during the show. So on there, look, you can also grab a copy of my book, The Core Value Equation, which is a resource for helping CEOs and business leaders establish core values from their teams that don't suck. And mind you, a lot of them suck. Get access to this and more at www.thegreatnessmachine.com. With that said, you guys, look, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We out of here. See you guys next time. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.